Welcome to MTG Ectoplasm, your home for spirit travel and magic the gathering. On this episode, I'm going to be breaking down a spirit that likes to cause our opponent some trouble when trying to cast spells. Also, I have a memo here in my hands that Watsy wants to increase prices. And then finally, I got a lot of emails from you going, huh? I'm going to explain. I hope you're curious. So let's get this thing started, shall we? Let's go. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining me on this episode. I am your host, White, a.k.a. DeBlanco, a medium that wears an extra, extra large. You can reach out to me. You can follow me on Twitter at MTG Ectoplasm, or you can email me directly. That's right, at MTG Ectoplasm at gmail.com. Let me know how I'm doing. Am I doing a good job, a bad job, or I shouldn't quit my day job? And then finally, mtgectoplasm.com. That's right. I got my own personal website where I put the latest and greatest episodes for you. And also, if you want to sponsor or donate to the show, you can do that there. And I would humbly appreciate it. Now, let me begin by saying this. I want to thank you all the listeners around the world listening to the show, but do me a favor. Wherever you're streaming this particular broadcast, all right, there's that follow, subscribe, like button. Hit that bad boy for me, all right? I'm not charging you a dime, a nickel. I'm not charging you nothing. Just do me a favor. Hit that button for me so you can keep on listening to every show when it comes out. And do me a favor also. Tell your friends about me. Tell your family. If they're into magic hell, they might enjoy the show. All right. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, all the pleasantries are over and done with. I've said what I've had to say in the very beginning, as I normally do. And it's now time for segment number one. Now, in segment number one, I decided, you know what? I haven't broken down a spirit in quite some time. And I was like, which spirit do I go with? Do I go with the tried and true, which everybody knows about, which this is particularly one of them? Or do I go with one that, you know, we really don't talk too much about? It's one of those hidden gems that people just go, you know, it's, it's, it's not an afterthought, but... It's definitely not an afterthought, afterthought in our opponent's minds when it gets cast or when it gets seen. So, ladies and gentlemen, I will be breaking down Mausoleum Wanderer. That's right, Mausoleum Wanderer. This card came out, out in 2016 in the set of Eldridge Moon. That's right, when pesky little Emrakul... And his friends decided, hey, we're going to leave Zendikar, right? And we're going to magically show up in the plane of Innistrad and ruin everything that Soren holds dear. Unfortunately, uh, there was another planeswalker. I I think it's Nahiri, who also wanted to cause uh, nothing but pure nonsense against Soren because there was some infighting between the planeswalkers. So it was... Nahiri versus Soren and Soren trying to figure out how to defeat 
Emerald Cool. But he ended up getting stuck in stone or something like that. I, I don't know how the lore goes, but there is the young man who I keep on talking about, Magic Historian on YouTube, and he has all the lore for you. It's a great episode and thing to listen to. So if you get a chance, go look at the listen to the lore at MTG uh, Historian. But Mausoleum Wanderer came out in 2016 in Aldrich Moon. And I'm going to read to you Mausoleum Wanderer, even though many of you know, but, you know, there may be a new listener here that goes, what is Mausoleum Wanderer? Well, Mausoleum Wanderer is a rare, it's one blue creature spirit, a 1-1 creature with flying. Now, anybody who knows anything about blue creatures, you don't see too many 1-1s that fly. Generically, you've seen merfolk, uh, that are one ones and they're very, shall we say, neutered. But I'm going to continue reading here. Ready? Whenever another spirit enters the battlefield under your control, Muslim Wanderer gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Well, it's like, okay, it's a little better than, you know, your typical generic uh, merfolk, tip, better than your typical... Whatever creature, like I guess a crab, you can say a zero three crab, but it flies, and the fact that if you cast another spirit, ooh, it gets a plus plus. I wonder where we've seen those plus pluses before. Don't worry about it. I'm going to talk talk to you about the cards that this card resembles a lot of. Well, I'm not done here. There's a second paragraph. Ready? Sacrifice Wanderer, sacrifice Mausoleum Wanderer, counter target instant or sorcery. Un, uh, man, I'm having one of these days. Ready? Sacrifice Mausoleum Wanderer, counter target instant or sorcery spell unless its controller pays X, where X is Mausoleum Wanderer's power. So, basically, what's he's telling you? If the power is one, well, you got to pay one extra mana. If the power is two, you got to pay two. If it's three, you got to pay three, and so on and so forth, right? But when have you seen this before in another creature, especially in flying? You, it's not you haven't seen this before, especially in a creature in blue. Blue's not known for oh, if you add one more of these pump or countering target spells mm, there may be two so the cards that are very comparable to muslim wanderer are three cards in general one is champion of the parish now champion of the parish is a white okay they came out of innistrad which is a human soldier one one and it read, whenever another human enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on Champion of the Parish. And that was it. It wasn't until end of the turn. It had that plus one, plus one counter on it permanently. Now, me personally, I'm thinking to myself, yo, what's he, what happened? You gave white a champion of parish the capability and ability to get plus one plus one and just 
keep it there permanently? Why would you do that? And not give Mausoleum Wanderer the ability to keep the plus one, plus one counter on it. And in their infinite wisdom, they said it's because of flying. Because Mausoleum Wanderer is a flying creature. And if you kept on putting a token on it each and every time you put a spirit, you know, uh, that spirit would get out of hand. Now, in today's current meta, I think you and I would humbly disagree with Watsi entirely. When you hear this broadcast, you'll already know that there, the, the Midnight Hunt set is already beginning to spoil. There is one particular card, Champion of the Perished, that has already been released and basically does the same thing as Champion of the Perish. The only difference is it does it with zombies. So now white has a creature that does it and also black. So what does that stand for Mausoleum Wanderer? Nope, you only get it till end of turn. And why? Because it's too familiar, too similar to Judge's Familiar. Judge's Familiar is a white or blue, okay? You got you had the, the choice to pick which one single mana you wanted to use, white or blue, from Return to Ravnica. It was a bird, 1-1 one, one flyer, and it read Sacrifice, Judge's Familiar, Counter Targets, Instant or Sorcery uh, spell, unless its controller paid one. Now, I know some of you are like, well, you're missing out on one, Dwight. This is the one that was king of the tribe. This, this is the, the judge's familiar isn't in a tribe. You're 100% right. There is no true bird tribe out there right now. Or yet. But this is the, the single card that's close enough to the Mausoleum Wanderer because of the fact that it flied. The only thing that separated bo both of these cards is the fact that Judge's Familiar was nothing more than an uncommon, and this is a rare. Now, I know some of you are, are complaining, well, Dwight, how about the other one? What's the other card? And that's Curse Catcher. Curse Catcher was a one blue, a one one merfolk from Shattermore. And it read Sacrifice Curse Catcher, target, uh, uh, counter target. Instant or sorcery spell, unless its controller pays one extra generic mana. Now, what's separated for me between Curse Catcher and Mausoleum Wanderer is that in 2016, when this card made its first appearance, there was no Spirit Tribe. Zero spirit tribe. Now, there were hints. There were people who were trying back in 2016, like myself, who saw the capability and ability of making a standard deck with it. But realistically, in modern, it mm -mm, wasn't going to happen. 
it wasn't going to happen. But a lot of us tried. Because what separated this mausoleum wanderer from its brethren is not only the fact that it could, you know, with the champion of parish or champion of the parished now, is that it can't maintain the plus one, plus one counters. What separated from the curse catcher and those other two cards is the fact that this has flying judge, just like the judge is familiar. So Watsi believes that flyers should be held on a different level, on a different scale. Am I opposed to their thinking? No, I'm not. I'm, I, I, it is because of the evasion is that what it makes Muslim, Muslim Wanderer stand out. And because there, during 2016, we had Eldridge Moon, we were able to see more spirits, Rattle Chain, Selfless Spirit, uh, Spell Queller. These were her, the, the, the Muslim's best friends during this time. And if they could figure a way to go, oh, you know what, I'll make this deck, uh, you know, I can flash in uh, Rattle Chains and flash in a spell queller and once around once in a while if there was a rattle chase maybe i can flash in a selfless spirit but we tried during this time to make this card muslim wanderer something of true value the first glimpses of this card being anywhere near relevant during 2016 in modern is the first azorius build ever done and it was it was a fun little deck that we all tried with rattle chain selfless spirit uh a spell queller obviously mausoleum wanderer then we decided drug school captain and uh phantasmal image and what happened this deck started to sing it started to work here and there, even though we knew Phantasmal Image was a very weak card that could be dealt damage at any time and the deck would falter 110%. And, you know, the fact that, you know, we did include, you know, uh, Ether Vial to the deck. So we can flash in those cards. It's like, oh, you're going to do this? Oh, no, we want to flash in a phantasmal image to copy a drug school captain. And now my drug school captain is what? It gets that plus three plus the one for the drug school captain that's there. It's plus four, and it's already a one one, so it's a plus five. You better pay five to counter that instant or sorcery that's going to do a mass board wipe or uh, targeting me directly to my face. Oh, you have a cocoa? Not today, my friend. Now, there were other decks in Spirits that were trying to break this card with Lingering Souls and Tallow Wisps. And it was fun. It was, it was fun to see Lingering Souls. Like, oh, I want to pay in, you know, this card so I can have my token Spirits and now my Muslim Muslim wonder gets bigger, and I can attack with it. 
it was fun. It, it was it was different, but it was it didn't have the level of consistency that we see until 2018. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Three years ago was the beginning of our true tribe. Yeah, we saw Drug School Captain in 2012. Yes, we we got to see some wonderful cards, staples that are spirit cards in 2018. Uh, sorry, uh, 2016. Am I right? Yes, 2016. And now 2018, M19 hits, and then Supreme Phantom makes its approach and we're still using Phantasmal Image. Kind of funny, right? If you look at the decks now, not a cent, well, with the exception of Dr. Queller and probably uh, uh, Raging Pikey uh, just recently, they're using three Phantasmal Images in their current deck, their current iteration. But 2018 was the beginning of where Mausoleum Wanderer truly began to shine. This little piece of carbon started getting enough pressure under it that it became a wonderful diamond. It was a diamond in the rough, and some of us saw this diamond. We are like, ooh, this is going to be a beautiful, beautiful stone. But we weren't sure because the tribe was not 110%. If we look at Dream, uh, what's this card? Dreamcatcher, I think it is. This? Uh, Curse Catcher. Curse Catcher, that is. Curse Catcher already had lords to support it, lords to back it up. The only difference is the countering was still, they had to pay one. But it had the tribal support spirit. We, we had no tribal support until, uh, Supreme phantom. And it's wonderful. It, it, when that card hit boom, everything changed. Everything changed permanently for us and for this card. Now that we can use instance, now the fact that we could sit there, you know, play our creatures as instance, shall I say. Now the fact that we have our Aether file. We could sit there and use our Caverner Souls to bring it in and not worry about this card being countered. Because I'll be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, when your opponent sees this particular card, this piece of cardboard, this rectangle of ink and images, it puts the fear in them, especially if they're playing an instant or sorcery spell. Because we have the answer on the board, and they're constantly going to get whacked in the face when we start casting our creatures onto it. How wonderful, how delicious is it when we cast the Supreme Phantom the following upcoming turn when we already cast some uh, Mausoleum Wanderer? It's doing three. Or the following turn, we play Dog Scroll Captain. Oh, now you're doing what? How much more? Four. Delicious. It's wonderful. 
within two turns, you've already done seven points of damage. They're already down by 13, and now you have the capability of counting their spells, and they can do nothing about it. Now, I have seen this card misplayed, and I have misplayed this card. I'm man enough to admit it. Why not? It's good that you may learn from my mistakes, but it's better that you learn from yours and from others. Now, the sequel with Mausoleum 1, ladies and gentlemen, realistically and honestly, is you want to play it on turn one. You heard that right. You want to play this card on turn one. There's only one major exception, just one, uno. The only exception to that particular rule is if you have an Aether Vial in hand. That's the only exception. Now you're going to, for the new player, okay, because I know some of you out there listening to the show, you're like, yeah, I know, Dwight. That was kind of silly. But this is for the new player. The reason why you play your Aether Vial, turn one, instead of the Mausoleum Wanderer, even though you could attack turn one, is because the Aether Vial is free mana. Every turn, it gives you the potential of free mana. Because every time we put a charge token on that Aether Vial, it gives us an ability to pay play pay the mana cost of a creature to put it directly into play. And if we don't play that Aether Vial on turn one and play the Mausoleum Wanderer on turn one, we are already, let's say, two turns behind. Realistically, two turns behind. But if we play the Mausoleum Wanderer on turn one, I mean, sorry, turn two, because the because we cast the Aether Vial. We're in great position. Think about it. Turn two, you have your two lands, and you have your Aether Vial untapped with one counter on it. It's now your opponent's turn. Now you have uh, some two-mana creatures that you could use that you could put directly into play. You have that Muslim Wanderer right there in your hand. Maybe you can... Wait and use the Aether Vial. I, I, that's what I live for because if they try to play an instant on ter- my turn two, their turn one, or their turn two, well, they're beginning at turn three, my turn two, not a problem. I'll play the, use the Aether Vial. I'll play the Mausoleum Wanderer. Oh, I have Rattle Chains. Comes into play. I give my Mausoleum Wanderer the Hexproof ability. Now it's a 2-2. Two, two. Do you have two mana? Oh, you don't have two mana. Counter that spell. Oh, how wonderful that is. Because there's been times where I've had opponents try to go out of their way to abrade my Aether Vial. It's like, oh, nope, boom, done. And the best part is coming on my turn three, I already got uh, a mazel, uh, a rattle chains on the, uh, on the battlefield, and now I can put my third land chuck up my uh, Aether Vial to turn two, and now I can attack. Now I'm in aggressive mode because Mausoleum Wanderer set the path for me 
to counter whatever spell that they were about to generate and deal with me. That's why I love this card. The other day, it was kind of funny. Last Friday, a friend of mine knows that I'm a spirit person. They know I enjoy spirits. But I was like, you know what? I was messing around, playing other decks around, and he played spirits against me. And I was somewhat happy because it's like my friend is learning spirits. This was wonderful. But as at the same time, I took it personal. It's like, how dare you play spirits against me? You know, I know, we both know I know this deck. I know the intricacies of this deck since the concept of this deck. And you have the gonadal fortitude to use my deck against me? I lost my mind. And the problem that I saw is that anything and everything I wanted to do, wanted to do against my opponent that was Mausoleum Wanderer, stopping my pathway from achieving my goal and getting victory. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, even though Mausoleum Wanderer is like a curse catcher, just like Judges Familiar has some similarities to Champion of the Parish or Champion of the Perished. Mausoleum Wanderer is a creature of its own. And I can guarantee you, I've heard from others, even masters of other decks, wish they had a creature similar or comparable to Mausoleum Wanderer. Tell me your thoughts. Am I right? Am I wrong? Is Mausoleum Wanderer just meh? Or is it a great card? Reach out to me at mtgectoplasm at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts. Now that I'm done with segment one, before I go to segment two, ladies and gentlemen, I have a major announcement. This is the third time I'm saying it because I want you there with me. August 16th, 9.30 a.m. Eastern. I'm going to officially say it that way. August 16th, 9.30 a.m. Eastern. I will be going on Twitch, doing my first Twitch live stream at at the channel MTG Ectoplasm. I've never streamed anything before, never did anything live. You're going to see me talk about spirits, and you may see hiccups, you may see flaws. If you listen to the show, I screw up throughout the show, and I leave those mess-ups in there because I want you to see how genuine I am and the show is. I don't try to edit crap out. I don't like that. I want you to see who I am realistically. And on August 16th, 9.30 a.m. Eastern, on Twitch, MTG Ectoplasm channel, you will see me talk live about it. And I have a special guest. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, a particular guest, a guest that I have been trying to get on this show since near the beginning of the show. You have seen him on 
uh, Nikachu MTG, where he has his little coffee show, Coffee and MTG. You've seen him on there, and it's a spirit master. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. You will be hearing first time on my 50th episode, a spirit master. I hope you're excited. So please write it down your calendar, August 16th, 9.30 a.m. Eastern. Dwight, a.k.a. DeBlanco, who wears an extra, extra large, and you will see, literally, I have to wear an extra, extra large. Live with the Spirit Master. I hope you're excited. I hope you're giddy, because I know I cannot wait to do this. Now, in segment number two, I mentioned to you that Watsy wants to increase prices. Yep. I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy about it whatsoever. Why? Because the fact that I like money in my pocket. I like keeping my money. The only time I like spending money is buying magic product, but I don't want to spend a lot of money for it so what i have here in my hands is a memo that's right ladies and gentlemen this memo has been making its circulations through the magic community and i have it here in my formerly chocolatey stained fingers because i like i said i had chocolate cake and i love chocolate cake can't get enough of it it's delicious that's why you wear an extra extra large and it reads as so ready Holiday season is around the corner, and toy and game maker Hasbro, worried of increased prices, worried of increased prices in the month leading up to it. Now, this is a direct sentence from the CEO. We, success, we successfully established price increases that will go into effect directly during the third quarter and provide an offset to rising input and freight costs in the business. Now, that's from CEO Brian D. Goldner. He said this in the quarterly earnings meetings call on a Monday. These supply chain pressures are meaningful, but given the strength in and out of business, the actions we have taken combined with the global footprint we continue to believe we can meet our year, uh, full year targets now if you're wondering what they mean by full year targets is what happens is like any other business they go i hope to meet a certain criteria most business say i want to meet maybe a three percent increase a five percent increase a ten percent increase Now, if you haven't been around, Watsi is a subsidiary of Hasbro and became a major division of Hasbro just not too long ago. They're the third division of Hasbro. And because they become the third division, okay, which is huge, they have to increase prices to meet the level or standard that Hasbro has placed on them. By doing so, that means we're going to get more Magic the Gathering content. 
meaning more products. But that also means they're going to increase prices where you least expect it, or they're going to be cutting things here and there. For example, in recent news, Wansi has decided that certain packs in boxes before had 10 packs. They're reducing it to eight. Now, um, I don't have all that information. This is, this, I'm going to bring this back up in another episode. I have the paperwork around here somewhere. I just can't find it. But they're cutting two packs out so they can keep the prices where it is or increase the project, uh, increase the price of the product so they can generate a little bit more revenue. Now, there's still more to read here. An analyst asked about the specific of the height. But Goldner said only that a 10% increase would be a bit high. So just a single digit increase is more likely. So if you think you're going to see, may, let's say, the new commander set coming out. It's about $40 usually. A 10% increase would be, what, $4? Maybe $5? You're not going to see that. It's going to probably increase uh, maybe half that. So you'll see, instead of just being, uh, you, the product being, you know, $45, you'll see it at $42.50. It's going to be slight and subtle, but you're going to see an increase there. Boxes that normally were, what, Let's say 125. 10% would mean they would be about 137. They're not going to do that. They're going to probably go 125. They'll probably go maybe to maybe 130. But there's more. We are implementing price increases for toys and games during the third quarter. That means the quarter that we're in right now or soon to be in. DFO Deb Thomas said, we expect this offset the rising costs in freight and commodities we continue to see across the business. So it's not only Watsi that's doing this. There's other corporations like Hasbro. They're saying other manufacturers, other goods, that products and services that we are using, they're increasing their prices and we're going to have to increase ours as well. I think it's a little cheap to say that, but I'm not a major CEO. I'll continue reading because there's two more paragraphs. Actually, uh, uh, a sentence and a paragraph. Hasbro is the home to toys like My Little Pony, Transformers, Power Rangers, G.I. Joe, Monopoly, Nerf, Twister, and more. Supply chain issues have plagued a plethora of industries from poultry to computer chips, gas, feminine products, lumber, and even shortage of workers. Those that have led to increases across the board and inflammation, inflammation, inflation increases of 0.9% from May to June, insiders previously reported. So basically they're telling us this. Even though we had the pandemic, we kept the price to what it was. 
We weren't happy the fact that most people weren't able to go to the shops and buy, you know, buy a whole bunch of packs and everything. But we're appreciative those who did. But we wanted to make more money on the pre-releases, but you can go to pre-releases and compete. That sucks. But we're getting charged extra money here. Okay, from shipping to uh, uh, printing to, to doing this type of manufacture. And you know what? We got to pass the buck to you. I hope you understand. We like you and everything. We love the fact that you like to spend money on our Magic the Gathering product. But if you like it so much, well, you're going to have to help us out. Even though we made a buttload. And when I'm talking about a buttload, I'm talking a massive, humongous booty. Like, it's it's a ginormous booty. That's all you got to say about it. It's just a massive booty. All right? A buttload of money. And they're still like, mm, you know, we want to hold on to our buttload of money. And I uh, hope you can understand. Because even though you like money, we like money more. I don't know how you feel about it. I don't like it. But I understand why they're doing it. Even though I disagree that they should increase prices, especially during time where people don't have jobs, can't get a job, so on and so forth. And the fact that uh, you got a Delta variant that's pounding us right now and they're going to begin locking, locking us down again. I love this game. I truly enjoy playing this game. But you want to increase, increase prices? Guess what? This is, this is what it's telling me. I am done buying boxes. I am done buying uh, your commander sets. I'm done uh, buying these little things here and there. I'm, I talked on a previous episode that I was excited about the plane chase commander. That potentially, that may be coming out. Guess what? I'm not buying that product now. I'm done buying Magic the Gathering product, and I will only be buying singles. I will only be buying singles uh, from LGSs from this point on. I will be buying, uh, uh, obviously, the, uh, the, uh, the covers, the, the, the little plastic covering, the sleeve, sleeves. That's what I'm looking for in the word. I'm going to buying sleeves and stuff like that, but I'm done buying boxes. I'm done buying from Watsi. Done. No more, no mas. Because I don't think it's right. Tell me your thoughts. Am I right? Am I wrong? Reach out to me at mtgactoplasm at gmail.com. Now, finally, segment number three. Segment number three. On the last episode, you and I had a heart to heart. And I was upset. I was a little annoyed. Because the fact that I don't want anybody giving up on spirits. I really don't. I love this tribe so much. That's the only reason why I made a podcast out of it. But then I said something that I think alarmed a lot of people. And I think I misspoke. Not saying that, oh, you know, Dwight's a coward. He, he's not a person of his word. No, I'm 100% man on my word. If you can't tell, then, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. But I think I misspoke in a sense where how I saw my particular position. 
I stated that I said, I never, ever want to become a master or grandmaster. That I prefer to be a specialist. Now, the reason why I said that I'd rather be a specialist than a master is to me, titles are cheap. Titles are cheap as can be. But to be a master, you have to go out there and constantly prove it. Currently, to date, there are zero grandmasters, but there's tons and tons and tons of masters. People who deem themselves masters or call themselves masters without any backbone or anything to show for the fact that they are true masters. Do I, do I consider myself a master? No. Definitely not. Why? Because I haven't had uh, the level of, uh, I guess, the wind support behind me to prove the fact that I am a master. But you've had others who have, who are true masters, like Dr. Queller. He is 100% a master of this deck of spirits. Andre Seguera is also a master of spirits. Unfortunately, I cannot call myself a master. I do not have the background currently to sit there and say, you know what, here's all my victories. Here's this, here's that, blah, 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 and this is who I am. Can't say that. And unfortunately, due to the fact that we get this stupid pandemic and the fact that we may potentially, and I'm not trying to cause any alarms here, that due to this potential uh, the stupid Delta variant, we may become locked down again. And guess what? There goes my chances of trying to prove to you, the listener, that I can constantly go out there and constantly kick ass over and over and over and over again. I'm a paper player. I've I not hidden this from you people. And this, you know what this teaches me? 110%, I need to go to digital. You know, I do have a spirits deck. It's not up to the current standards that uh, Andre Seguera plays. It's not up to the level of uh, Raging Pikey, uh, Renf, or Dr. Queller standards. It's not up to those standards. So that means... I guess I'm going to have to pull back from paper and go into MTJO to prove myself because all I am currently is a specialist. I've specialized in this deck since 2016 and re-specified myself in 2018 when this modern deck became true to fruition, going from uh, Azorius to Bant. What separates me from those other gentlemen that I call masters is the win rates. And I said I didn't want to become one of them because the fact that I can't get there, it pisses me off. I, I want to play. I want to constantly show that I'm the best of the best of the best, that I want to be able to shout myself out on the shout-out section going, you know what, I'm the one of the best of the best, the cream of the crop, the creme of the creme. I'm a cocky, arrogant son of a bitch, and I'll be that honest. But unfortunately, I don't have a platform to do it. Fortunately, thank God, I have two game places. They're going to do one case one week after another. I'm going. 
I'm going to see and try to prove that these decks, the spirits, is the kick ass. And you know what? I'm showing. I'm going to be wearing an MTG ectoplasm T-shirt. I'm going to be wearing. I'm going to be bringing my MTG ectoplasm uh, foiled play mat. I want them to know. Hey, this guy's the real thing. This guy's the real deal. Holyfield. Do I want to be one? I can't. There's no way physically I can become one. In my heart, do I want to be 110%? I want to be a master. I want to be able to prove to everybody that I can be just as good as Andre, as good as Dr. Queller, as good as Grumpf and Raging Pikey and, and, and uh, everybody else that plays great in Japan and uh, Peru and Brazil. I don't care where you play. I want to be as great as you guys. That's why I'm your number one cheerleader rooting you constantly on. I have to live vicariously through you currently, and it sucks. And I mean sucks means it sucks for me, and I'm happy for you. That's why I'm excited. Every time I do the shout-out section, I'm like, great, this is great, this is wonderful. Keep on kicking ass, people. Look at my ladies kicking ass. Look at my fellas. These are my kings and kings and queens sitting on their throne demanding, you know what, respect. And I love it. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, you can understand, and I can understand why some of you, the listenership, was like, whoa, what, what's going on, Dwight? Not like you. Not like you. Wow, that took a lot. I got emotional. I think I need a, uh, a sweet tea. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we discussed Mausoleum Wonder, how great that card is, how it puts the fear of God into opponents, and the similarities in other decks or other cards in other decks, but how Mausoleum Wonder, since 2016 to current day, is a badass card. We've also discussed Watsy trying to be cheap and pass the buck and increasing prices, and then me misspeaking. And saying, you know what? I'm gonna be a, ch- I'm gonna be a master, and I'm gonna prove to everybody listening to this, I will be a master. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening to the show, making this your number one spot worldwide for your spirit content and match the gathering. So, remember, August 16th, 9.30 a.m. on Twitch at MTG Ectoplasm channel. You're going to see me live with a spirit master. I'll be excited. I'll see you guys next time. Later. That's no bullshit.